0: West Bulls, good morning. The whole goal of the next three weeks is to get that little ditty that you just heard stuck in your brain. So, um, well, question, have you ever gone wandering? I don't mean like, hey, we're on vacation and we've got all the time in the world and just let's go on an adventure. I mean like you are on a mission trying to find someone, something, somewhere, and you are doing the best you can, and you've taken a wrong turn, that kind of wandering. The the terror that strikes when I'm not sure how to get back to the path I was on. Similar to a, a news story I read not too long ago about a little girl. She was with a group down near the Amazon River, and she got separated from this group and ended up wandering nearly a mile up the Amazon River. And when they looked at the stretch that she had gone up, It was full of these deadly pythons and anacondas and piranhas, that kind of wandering. Or or the kind of wandering that my younger sister got in two years ago. Did any of you, do you remember the show on MTV, The Hills? Okay, yeah, all right, we got a few guys raising their hands. I wasn't going to admit to it, but if Jason Staples admits to it, I will too, so... But The Hills was about like this post high school girl who's trying to make it in the fashion industry. Again, I've only heard about the show, I never watched it anyway. And she's trying to make it in Beverly Hills. Well, my sister had been really uh, following this show and one day she came home from the movies because she'd been there with a friend. And she said, so uh, did you know there's a new movie out called The Hills Have Eyes? I was like, yeah. She's like, did you know that's not based on the TV show? And I was like, yeah, she's like, I'm going to have nightmares for the next six months because she had gotten out of a, a, another movie and decided to wander into this movie that she, she thought was based on the TV show, or I mean the kind of wandering that my wife and I, uh, we ended up doing. This was years ago. Uh, we went on this youth trip. We took the youth to Chicago. And that was in June. But in April, we decided to fly out and see the hotel that we were staying in and map out a route and all that. And so we flew into Chicago and this hotel that I had booked our entire group's reservation in, well, it was a little further south in Chicago than I uh, anticipated. So I got there and um, that night we decided, you know what, let's just go to the grocery store and get something to eat. And I looked on the map and I went, oh, there's one just a couple blocks from here. And I was walking out. We're walking out at night, and this manager of this hotel catches us, and he's like, hey, uh, just, I'm just going to ask, no offense, but have you been around Southside Chicago at night? And I was like, well, I'm from Southside Littleton, so <laughs> can't be that much different. And then we went to the grocery store. We got into the grocery store, and here's the thing. When I'm wandering I might as well have that ditty that was playing during the video in my brain, okay? So imagine walking through, I've got this song playing, and we get into the store, and Carol's like, I think we should just get what we need and go. And uh, there's this rap song playing that I knew, so I decided to start, you know, dancing down the aisle, and you know that feeling when people are watching you? Well, I look down the aisle, and there's this cashier, and she's just standing there, and she's like... So we went and checked out. I had forgotten deodorant, I'll admit it. And uh, they had to do a price check on the deodorant. There was no tag. And so it was at that moment, standing there at the cashier, and I was trying to make conversation. I just said, gotta smell good, you know? And she just looks at me like, okay. And I suddenly looked up and I realized we were being stared at by everybody. And it's in those moments of wandering, whether we want to admit it or not, <clears throat> Fellas, whether we want to admit it or not, right? It's in those moments that it would be so helpful to have somebody come alongside us and say, "Hey, let me just let me help you find your way. Let me help you get back to what you were trying to do." And and there's the truest test of us wandering is really whether we've got this thing going on inside of us where the wandering begin wondering. We begin wondering, am I ever? gonna get where I was going? Will I ever find what I was looking for? Or is this forever what I'm going through? See, there comes a point for all of us that whether it's a one-time wandering or a throughout life wandering, that we begin wondering, am I ever gonna find my way? And that is especially good news for all of us that Jesus, when he showed up, when Jesus showed up, he just made a beeline directly directly past all the people who thought they knew where they were going and what they were doing and that they were right with God, he made a beeline right past them to who? To the wandering. He went to the wandering. And in doing so, he communicated that, you know what God's thinking about? Well, God is wondering, what about the wandering? That's who God is looking for right now. That's who he's looking for. And as Jesus did this, two groups stood up and took notice. And and you see it at the beginning of Luke chapter 15. Verse one says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those who thought they knew their way, look what they did, they muttered. You see what's happening here? The wandering, well, they're gathering. And those who'd been watching, they're muttering. And, and no matter the difference between the two groups, they both agreed on this next statement. Look at the next statement. This man, referring to Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And one group said amen to that. And the other group said, we need to get rid of that. And they kept going. Jesus, instead of, instead of rebuking them, Instead of saying, we're out of here, Jesus did what we see Jesus so often do. Verse 3 says this Then Jesus told them this parable. In fact, Jesus told them three parables or stories. And two of those we're going to look at this morning. And then that third one, it's longer. And we're going to spend the next couple weeks on that. And the reason that we're going to spend time on that is because God is wondering what about the wandering? What about them? Because these are stories that speak directly to both groups who were standing there that day. And these are stories that speak to both you and I. See, the last couple months, we've talked about who are we? Who are we in God's eyes? And one of the things that we talked about with this direction for this church is that this would be a place where you connect with Jesus, connect with people, but this is a church that connects people with Jesus. This is a church... That seeks out and finds the wandering. This is a church that understands God is wondering about the wandering. And so we're gonna park in Luke chapter 15 for the next few weeks because it says so much about God's heart for the wandering, for those who have gone, maybe we'd call it lost, for those who are missing. And what we'll see throughout this series is that God really the really the idea behind all these parables is that God misses the misplaced. And if God misses the misplaced, then that means something for this place. And we'll get into what that means, but we can't possibly know what that means until we feel the way God feels for the wandering. And so, with that being said, let me jump in. Jesus is standing there. Two groups those who had been wandering and those who had been watching. And they're hanging on what he said next. Here is what Jesus said. Verse 4. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Suppose you have, just imagine, you have a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Now you and I, you know what we would do? We would say, well, I've still got 99. I've still got 99 more. Suppose you lost a sheep. We often think, I've still got 99 more. And, and then he goes on, a few verses later. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Well, our thinking in our day and age, we'd think, well, I still have nine more. But not so back then. Because men, we get this. If, if, a, if we were in charge of a flock and a sheep were to go missing, that wouldn't reflect on the sheep, would it? Who would that reflect on? Us. And we want to be well thought of and, and we want to do our work well. And so you can bet when they heard Jesus say this, they thought, I got to go after that one. And for the women at that time, one of the ideas behind these 10 coins was that when a woman got engaged or married, her parents would give her 10 coins that got put into a headdress or a necklace that she would wear around. And the thinking was that if she lost one, that might reflect on the kind of wife she would be or the kind of woman she was. And so you can bet that the women in the audience, when Jesus was saying all this, thought, I've got to go get that coin back. See, we would think there's still plenty left. And they would think, no, I got to get it. I got to get it back. And so Jesus using that logic begins going back to the sheep, his next statement. Doesn't he, in other words, wouldn't it make sense? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And Jesus is getting, getting to something here, that God misses the misplaced so much that he says no individual is too insignificant for him to pursue. No individual is ever too insignificant for God to pursue. Years ago, I worked for, uh, I, did, I did bookkeeping and collections and a little bit of accounting for a company that had a massive sales force. And so they would turn in their sales reports every single week. And, and we would collect the money from all the sales that they made, and they would get commissions. But <clears throat> I, was, I was responsible for tracking how much should be coming in. Well, one day, uh, at the end of this week, all, all the money came in from those sales. And my report, in hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales, well, I came up 12 cents short. And my supervisor came along and said, that 12 cents, we need to find it. And I thought exactly what we think with the sheep and with the coin, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales that are coming in. Big deal on the 12 cents. And they said, no, we need to find it. So I reached into my pocket and grabbed 12 cents. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. It took a few hours, but we found the 12 cents. And that might sound over the top to you, but you get this because you've sat down at that thousand piece puzzle, haven't you? You? And what happens when you get to the end, and you can see there's only a couple pieces left, and you lay the one in, and there's one space left, but the piece is nowhere to be found. Can you feel that angst after a thousand, after 999 pieces? Can you feel the angst of the one missing? Or you've sat down at the 400-piece Lego set. I, I have recently this week actually with Lincoln, and there was a piece missing. And some people would go, oh, big deal, sub another one in, but it's not the same. It's not the same color. It's not the same size. The structural integrity of the Lego set is compromised. And Jesus says, no, every cent counts. Every puzzle piece matters. Every Lego piece needs to be there. Every sheep has to be brought back. Every coin needs to be found. Every person matters because no individual is too insignificant for him to pursue. And Jesus is gonna take them even deeper. He said, look, it's not just the one who went wandering that God has a heart for. The intensity is not just over the one who went wandering. The intensity that the father has for the ones who go wandering is found in the nature of the search as well. Jesus continued through these parables. And coming back to the same verse, he says, doesn't he leave? the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until, notice that word, until he finds it. See, we often think until we're tired. Until we've tried as hard as we could. Until it comes back. They come back. And Jesus says, but for the father, there's only one acceptable outcome. Until He finds it. And in the parable that would have really spoken to the women, he says, Doesn't she, after losing this coin, verse eight, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? See, we get this. We get this. Firefighters get this. Because their main priority when they go to a scene, a burning building, it's not to save the property first, it's to save lives. And so they go searching. And even if that, cou- that house is filled with smoke, they get down on all fours and they conduct a sweep and they go in a pattern. This is what that robot vacuum does that you got for Christmas until as we found out, it goes down the stairs. <laughs> he says not only, God misses the misplaced so much that not only is no individual too insignificant for him to pursue, he says no measure is too much for him to go through. No measure is too much for him to go through. I'm going to remind you of something I told you a couple months ago that I, my wallet went missing. And I'm going to repeat if you have it, give it back <laughs> now. Put it in the offering plate. It's fine. But my wallet went missing. And it's interesting when you lose something like a wallet, what do we do? You know, everybody asks you do you remember the last place you were when you had the wallet? Yes, I remember the last place I was. Well, did you retrace your steps? Yes, I retraced my steps. But once you get past those levels of searching, something really interesting kicks in. Your brain starts convincing you, you need to look places that it cannot possibly be at all. I went out to the middle of our street and walked our cul-de-sac, and the neighbors are looking at me like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, I'm just desperate. Or I got up and I was, I was putting up Christmas lights. And as I was clipping Christmas lights onto the gutter, do you know where I started looking? The gutter. The gutter. I was, I was removing wet, dead leaves to see. Maybe my wallet just, like a bird, pickpocketed me, flew up there, dropped it in the gutter. Later that day, <laughs> I, I promise I washed my hands, okay? But later that day, I was in our backyard, and I started looking at our dog's poop a little bit closer. Because it's entirely within reason that our dog ate my wallet. And Jesus says, no measure is too much for God to go through, to find what has gone wandering. And now they're starting to feel the angst. And now he's getting more deeply into it. And he says, but there's another level to how God feels about those who have gone wandering. Verse 5 He says, and when he finds it, he, look at this word, joyfully, puts it on his shoulders. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Joyfully, Jesus? Joyfully, you mean mean God's not mad? God isn't mad at the sheep? No. God's not mad at the sheep. Okay, I thought he maybe shook his head at the sheep. No, doesn't shake his head. I thought maybe he lectured the sheep. I thought maybe he made the sheep walk back to the flock to teach it a lesson. No. Joyfully. And there are some who are in here right now that you may be thinking that the only way back to God is fearfully, anxiously, cautiously. And that may be how you feel, but that's not how he feels. He says, no, it's joyfully, because God understands how a sheep goes missing. You know how a sheep wanders off? It's one tuft of green grass at a time. He nibbles that one down, and then he sees another one, and he nibbles that one down, and he sees another one, and he nibbles that one down, and before you know it, he has wandered away from the flock. And there are some in here. I've gotten to talk with some recently, that you did not intentionally set out to wander away from God. It just happened one little bit at a time. And you know what God understands? You're doing the best you can. You are doing the best you can. So that's why when he finds you, he says this joyfully. He also knows that the way a coin goes missing was really in this story through the negligence of another. It was maybe through the carelessness of the woman. Or it may have just been an innocent moment of dropped it and didn't see it. And there are some in here that that may be, as you look around and you think back, that may be how you wandered away. It was friends who maybe didn't care about your relationship with him as much as you do. It was maybe being in places that didn't value your faith as much as you do. It was maybe some careless choices. And God says, I get it. But it's joyfully. And there's no doubt they might have thought, yeah, but the sheep, I mean, they stink, and they make noise, and they kick. And he says, no, joyfully. That's what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus did. He joyfully put a beam across his shoulders, and he carried our burdens. And he hung on that cross, and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. God misses the misplaced so much that no individual is too insignificant to pursue. No measure is too much for him to go through. And no burden is too heavy for him to carry you. I want to put up a picture of um, this is our dog, Max. Smile, Max. All right. So, Max, when we got Max, he was um, three months old, he was 20 pounds. And we were told Max was a shepherd dog mixed with a cattle dog mixed with a bloodhound. And we were told Max was going to get to about 50 pounds. And um, it quickly became clear Max was going to sail right through 50 pounds on his way to 80 pounds. And he's now 70. He, uh, he went vegan. And so... Um, <laughs> Actually, no, he didn't. Based on the rabbits he has brought to our back doorstep, he is not vegan. Okay, but needless to say, uh, Max is we've gotten the weight under control a little bit. But Max, he would do this thing. The nature of these dogs that they told us he was, we thought, okay, so he's, he corrals and he knows his way back home. But we had the we have this thing that keeps happening. He bolts, like the door goes open and he is gone. He just goes. So we went to the vet. A checkup. The vet said, "What kind of dog did they tell you this is?" we were like, "Oh, shepherd, cattle dog, bloodhound." And they said, "Does he bolt ever?" We said, well, "Yeah, it's exactly what he does. It drives us nuts." The vet said, "It's because he's also a husky. You, you see these line? You can't see him really, but there's a line right over the top of his head." She said, "That's a husky, and huskies bolt." And so one of these times. Max had bolted, and I snuck up. I finally, we drove around the block. And and he just, it's not like going far. He just circles. Drove around the block. I finally got out, did my best ninja sneak up, tackled him. Now keep in mind, 80 pounds of dog. And he doesn't just, it's not like grab him by the collar and drag him back. It's like pick him up. And so I picked him up. And I was carrying Max, kind of cradled, and the neighbors are staring at me. And he's just... The whole time, I'm like yelling at him. And he's like, like hanging over my shoulder. Got him inside the house, put him down. He's wagging his tail. I said, stop. Don't you ever do that to me again. Do you have any idea what you put me and this family through? He doesn't even get it. And yet, I think that we think God looks at us. And says, Man, your burden is too heavy. And you know what he says? No, it's joyfully. I will joyfully put you on my shoulders and bring you back. And finally, Jesus, as he's walking through these parables, he takes them one more level. He says, You want to know how God feels about the wandering? Pay attention. Verse six, it's really the finish of the sentence before. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. What, home? The sheep wandered from the flock. Why wouldn't you take it back to the flock? No, he goes, home. Well, what's at home? What's at home? And the answer is, if you're wondering, a grill, because he's going to cook it and eat it. Let's close in prayer. We can close in prayer right there, right? You can think about that this week. Jesus continues. Then, after getting home, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. You want to know what's at home? A giant, huge celebration. That's what's at home. And he continues, and he says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And if it seems extreme, it's because Jesus is employing what's called hyperbole here. He's exaggerating because the thinking of those who had been watching Jesus hang with these tax collectors and sinners, it had gotten extreme. And they had begun to think, we've got it, and we're righteous. And if they had really thought hard enough, they would have thought back to this verse. In the Psalms, that said, there is no one who is righteous. And it's possible Jesus is communicating to them through this story as well, saying, you know what? God values the one who repents more than the 99 who don't need to repent, which is none of them. And none of us. He continued, and he he finished this story with the woman as well. And he, he said, and when she finds it, the coin, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know how much God misses the misplaced? Jesus says He'll move all of heaven to celebrate you. Before we ever had our youngest, Lincoln, our five-year-old, our uh, daughter Lainey, she was four years old, and her younger sister True was uh, right around one years old, one year old. And we were at the store, and uh, it was just me and the kids at the store. And True was in the cart, and Lainey decided to wander. Lainey went and wandered. And uh, if you've had that happen, I mean, even 30 seconds just feels like forever. And what did I do? I, I, I had the cart right there, and there's True, and she's peacefully sleeping in the cart. And I left her. I left, and I went, Laney. Because you don't, soon you don't care how you look. When that child isn't there, I, I went, Laney where are you? And soon I see somebody from our church, I won't tell you who it is, but they're like, Nathan, how are you? And in my head, I'm outside I'm saying, hi, how are you? Inside I'm thinking, I need you to close your mouth and open your eyes and look for Lainey, all right? <laughs> well, I found her, but you can imagine the relief that came over when I found Lainey. Can you feel how God feels? Because God misses the misplaced. Jesus says God misses the misplaced so much that no individual is too insignificant for him to pursue. No measure is too much for him to go through. No burden is too heavy for him to carry you. And he will move all of heaven to pursue you. But maybe what is most interesting to me about this story is what Jesus started the whole thing with. Four words. suppose one of you. Jesus is saying, would you step into God's shoes for a moment? Would you feel how God feels? I mean, we're going to get to what this means for this place in the next few weeks. But the starting point is, can you feel how God feels? Every single person in here has experienced losing and having something go missing in the angst you feel to get it back. We all know that. And for some of you, this may be the first time you ever have gotten a glimpse of how God feels about you. But there are some in here, there are some in here that as I've been talking, maybe the whole time or maybe part of the time, there's a face from your life that maybe is coming to mind, and that's not me. That's God putting that there. God says, you know that face and what I did for you I want to do that for them. And as you think about that face, as you think about that face, you would never want them to think that they are too insignificant for God to pursue because you can feel how God feels. And as you think about that face, and if they were to say, no, God doesn't want me, God couldn't possibly, he, he forgave everybody else's sins, but I've gone too far you'd fight back and you'd say no because no measure is too much for him to go through for you because you can feel what God feels for them. And as you think about them and they think, you know, they say things like, I could never walk through the doors of a church. I could never, I would never want to burden anybody. You'd go, no way. Because you know that no burden is too heavy for him to carry you. And as you think about that face, it might be a family member, a parent, a child, a sibling, a relative, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. As you think about that face, you know that God would move all of heaven to celebrate them. You would. You know what bugs me most about my missing wallet? It's not, it's not I'm going to invite up the worship team. It's not that my debit card's in there. It's not that there's a credit card in there. Those can be canceled. It's not that there's $23.74 in there or anything like that. That's gone for sure. It's not that. You You want to know what bugs me most? My ID is in there. And that ID represents at least a little bit, a fraction of who I am. It's that my identity is somewhere out there. And for that face that God put in your mind, they've got this spiritual identity that's out there. It is wandering. And God says, I miss them. I miss the misplaced. It's out there, and He wants to bring it back. Can you feel how God feels? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you so much for the opportunity every single week here but this morning to gather together and in the, in the name of Jesus, to remember what you did for us. That you are a God who came here to earth because you miss the misplaced. And that for those of us, the wandering, who are wondering, you turn around and you say, well, I'm wondering, what about the wandering? And I see you and I know where you're at. And I wanna bring you back. And so this week, whether that news is for us or it's for a face that maybe you brought to mind this morning, soften our hearts. Help us feel the way you feel so that as we step through the next few weeks, we can understand exactly what that means for us individually and as the body of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.